1: Welcome back, everybody, to everyone's favorite time of the month, the meeting of Rabbi B and Dr. D, the Meaning Project podcast, and the Defiant Spirit coming together to ideally and eventually in the very near future form, the Meaning Academy. But until then you can find us on our individual podcasts. <laughs> you know' be it used to be, I would say, man, it's been a while since we've talked. as <laughs> I told you in the previous hour, uh, your name is in my email inbox more than anything else in recent weeks. And uh, we have been spending copious amounts of time together. But for the sake of the audience, how are you there, buddy? I'm good. I'm gonna get a t-shirt that says WWD. What would Dan do? Because like, <laughs> you're part,
0: you know, you're part of my uh, my decision-making process all day long, you know. All we day, well,
1: and you know, again, for those watching on YouTube, it was quite ironic. We we had a business meeting for the Meeting Academy uh, in the previous hour and both arrived with black v-neck t-shirts so um yes we tried to dress up in between just it was pretty funny though so what do we uh you know again to continue to tease the audience and, and welcome them once it starts i mean we are really putting in some time on this idea of the meaning academy bringing in other uh great thinkers in logotherapy um i can't wait to to see this dream to come fruition but in the meantime we have do we have other lives? I know you watch the news once in a while, but I am just neck deep in man's search for meaning and everything, logotherapy.
0: Well, you know, we see the world through our passions and our purpose. And all I see is everywhere I go is, uh, you know, it's that like that lollipop commercial, right? Everywhere it goes, the world looks like a lollipop. And for me, it's uh, Viktor Frankl. Everywhere I go, I just see the world through the lens of, Victor Frankel and, and logos and meaning. And I was listening to a news, I don't know, update today. I think it was NPR or something. And they were talking about Walter Reed Hospital in the military, the major military hospital for veterans in um, Washington, DC. And that the administration made a decision to move from their contract with, I don't know, the archdiocese or whomever they make the contract with to have their Catholic chaplains be supplied by the archdiocese, and they've outsourced it to a secular firm that will be either providing priests or ecumenical clergy. And it was a conversation about the role of religion in the 21st century and how it's changing rapidly. I don't have a horse in that race. I don't want to comment on whether that is a good or not decision. You could comment more thoughtfully on it than I could. But I do think it brings up the role of religion, the waning role of religion, and yet the eternal need for what religion represents, that brings us to Dr. Frankel.
1: Absolutely. The eternal need. I love that. Um, it is fascinating. I think we've quoted uh, many times before recent studies where a large percentage of people sampled, uh, over 60 or 70% of people sampled, are now declaring themselves as nots, nuns. Nuns. Not the Catholic nuns, but nuns as in none, not having a religion or a way of expressing spirituality. And that does come uh, ties in very closely with logotherapy. And really, uh, you know, we know we've shared this a lot. Logotherapy, the first field of psychology to recognize human beings uh, are not just mind and body, but also spirit. And it's important for us to find ways to express that spirit, to express our our connection with that spirit, with each other. And for thousands of years, um, religion has been the way of doing that. But we're seeing that change today in some ways, as first Nietzsche, uh, you know, prescribed in that God is dead and we have killed him. But uh, as Dr. Frankel said as well, that we, you know, he forecasted an individual spirituality or religion for each of us.
0: You were talking before about um a um, Zoom call your wife was on or listening to and the knee repair, whatever it was, it reminded me of um of the word religion. Why? Because it comes from the word lig, uh the Latin root lig, ligament, connection. Mm-hmm. That's all religion is. It's connection. It's become, you say religion now, it's almost in certain circles. It's like a dirty word. It's like Absolutely. a it's a it's a negative, it's a knee jerk, like how I worked in the knee need your reaction.
1: Your your relationships today. I forgot how fun it is to record a uh, record a podcast with you pulling in these these uh, obscure and obscene connections.
0: Yes, but it all comes back, man. It all comes back. This <laughs> is from well, years. Of course it
1: does, because it all comes back to Frankel. It always does. Is Is it a factor of us being logotherapists or because meaning is just so necessary in our world? I say both. I was also trained this way. Ta-
0: when you study Talmud, which is the sort of foundational text of Judaism, it's arguing back and forth, bringing proof texts and modern texts. And, you know, you go on this journey of like, you know, all over the place, and you end up back to where you started, but in a deeper way. So there's a rhyme to the reason.
1: Well, B, I um, didn't study your uh, tall mood, but uh, you know, I have two uh, adolescent teenagers who are both over six feet tall. So I study tall moods <laughs> all day long. Got it, um, man. That was a perfect dad joke there. I had, couldn't good that Hashtag dad
0: jokes. All right. So we stay, right, gro- <laughs> <from laughs> <we're gonna laughs> stay away from <laughs> grooming habits and dad jokes. No more. All right. Um, yes. But back to lig- ligament, uh, religion, connection. We still need the connection. It just might have to come in a different form. Human beings, as Dr. Frankel taught, and as we, look, when I did, I don't do them anymore. When I did rabbinic um, chaplain visits, I would go to the hospital, visit all kinds of people from completely atheist to completely devout Catholics, you name it. What I found, though, was almost everybody in a hospital setting needs a connection. It doesn't really matter what you call it. It just matters that you have it. Do you always need it? I think you do. But is it most pronounced and felt in situations like a hospital? Absolutely. So the need doesn't go away. The form in which it comes is probably changing or going to have to change.
1: So how does it change? What are we looking at in our times? I think you and I have talked a lot uh, in the recent weeks of our um, passion or fascination for Dr. Peterson's latest uh analysis, uh, group analysis of the book of Exodus, and we've been pulling a lot of information out there as he and his his group of scholars um, analyze the book from a psychological perspective, from a storytelling perspective. That book's been around for two thousand years. It's some uh, well, uh, I'm sorry, more than two thousand years. It's the New Testament that's only two thousand years old. And uh, a source of quite a bit of wisdom. How do we apply a, a several thousand-year-old text in modern times when man thinks he knows everything and needs everything uh, proven by science?
0: I think if the um if the past three years have taught us anything, it's taught us that you know, as much as the world has changed, it really hasn't changed because a little virus brought us to our knees, mm-hmm. brought us to you know, a standstill how much really further were we than the Israelites, you know, 4,000 years ago, we were trying to figure out how to live on a rock in outer space while waiting to die. Like it's scary stuff out here. I almost said the S word. You know, I know you don't approve of my, my uh, truck driver mouth. So I'm, I'm reining it. In I just me. don't
1: want to hit the damn explicit button and, and keep the little kids out from listening to our podcast.
0: So I'm trying, man, I'm trying. Um, so the bottom line though, is, you know, like, yes, we've advanced. Yes. But, Um, have we? Because the fundamental need of connection was just brought home to me during COVID when all we talked about was connection, human connection, making the connection. That doesn't go away. The form has changed. So we went to Zoom. We found a new medium for the need. And, you know, they look at the book of Exodus. It's talking about the same thing, the need for liberation, for freedom, right? Maybe we're not in a jail cell, um, you know, in a prison with a pharaoh guarding us. But are, are are we really that different? Like, I have my struggles. I feel like I'm in servitude to my work, to my my things. Am I really liberated? Well, that text has a lot to say about liberation. I think Dr. Frankel has a lot to say about um, these very issues in, in a way that people can hear.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking about that in relation to uh, one of our sections for the Meaning Academy curriculum is about you know your concentration camp um you know it goes from liberation uh, under the the throne of pharaoh to concentration camps of the nazis to what are our concentration camps today for many of us it's work and the the bings and pings and plings of our smartphone and constantly having our attention ripped away from us to pay attention to something far less important than where we are um We are prisoners of our own concentration camps, even today, even in our freedom and and our liberty.
0: Let's qualify that a little because I always get pushback from using this term concentration camp and almost what some people might think is trivializing or minimizing Mm. what the context for Frankl and his experience of going through the Holocaust or, you know, lots of different people have um, been in concentration camps. And yet what Frankl did call what you go through is your inner concentration camp. And what he said in his work is that your suffering is your suffering and that to to minimize it by not calling a concentration camp isn't honoring what you're going through. And anybody who's listening, who's been through a concentration camp, their, their inner concentration camp knows that's exactly what it is. It reduces you. It brings you to your knees. It breaks you. I mean, this is not insignificant. This is this is real. You know, I I had a father who took his own life. I had a grandmother who took her own life. They were in a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. They they ended up running to the wire so to speak. That's what Frankl says in his book uh, Man's Search for Meaning. That's how people that was the easiest form of choosing death was to run into the electrified wire. My my dad and my grandmother, you know, died in a different way, but nonetheless, they were reduced in that concentration camp suffering. And I think it's really important that we honor and acknowledge that everybody who's listening at some point will, has, or will go through that.
1: Absolutely. Um, Suffering. We talk about the tragic triad of pain, guilt, and death, none of which we can escape in, in this life. But, you know, we've talked often about this, you know, nihilistic attitude in our current culture that it, well, if you're suffering, We've got a pill for that. We can take care of that. You don't need to suffer. If you're too mad, too glad, too sad, or too bad, we've got a, a red or a blue pill. And in doing that, we deny people the opportunity to turn suffering into achievement. And that's part of Dr. Frankel's tragic optimism, that when we suffer, if we can go back to, to biblical times, to man's search for meaning, to the reality of today, suffering when we let it, when we use it can make us better, can make us stronger, um, can teach us something about our own nature and the nature of life.
0: And, you know, because we we referenced, you referenced the Exodus, it's just, I'm thinking about that as it's so relevant. Dr. Frankel talks about um, going through the hospital and doctors who would, and probably still do to this day, reduce their patient to an illness. You know, patient X has this or is that. Basically, they are, it's not that they have an illness, they are the illness. They're seen as only an illness, as opposed to the defiant power of the human spirit, as opposed to something that transcends body and mind and that is always whole. And you look at what Pharaoh did to the Israelites, it's the same thing. He just reduced them to their production value, to what they can do, you know, as Wayne Dyer called it human doings. They're just human doings. We're just human. How much has it changed? So it's 2023. Are we I think we're probably more human doings today than we've ever been?
1: such a good point, um, because we're so so busy doing and running around and getting stuff done that, uh, you know, even, even in our liberated state, even on our freedom, it seems that uh, we forsake it for all the doings that need to be done. So let's go back to the premise, Walter Reed firing off all of its uh, religious individuals but you say in our time now we have a greater need for spirituality and re- and religion in the face of our suffering what's what's your opinion there my friend
0: I don't think it's greater i just think it's perennial and eternal and mm-hmm. that you know human beings have always struggled with not defining themselves whether it's by the hunt you know whether it's by the crop whether it's by the, you know, you name it. Now it just happens to be the bank account, but we need things to connect us to the nuos, to our essence. So what are those things? To me, that's the interesting conversation. Not, not, you know, fitting a square peg into a round hole. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it doesn't work to go to synagogue or church or wherever, then don't go. But Mm -hmm. the answer to bad religion, I say that, you know, mindfully that that's not a reason why a lot of people are, not going to their church or the synagogue but i worked with a lot of people who walked away from religion because of bad religion and i would say the antidote i get this from dennis prager to bad religion is not no religion it's good religion just like the answer to a bad relationship is not no relationship it's a good relationship so what's the good relationship what's the good connection that's the question for you
1: oh, dang i was just i was i was hoping to quote prager before you got to him man because i think we're <laughs> we're probably listening to the same uh, same uh, Exodus lectures but yeah that, that he made a really good point in that many people and and I've had this uh, shall we say conversation before as well people just you know ah, that that damn church I'm so angry at the church like what does that mean what are you angry at you're angry at some people in the church who did terrible things. Who, who, in their humanness, in their brokenness, of which we've seen for thousands of years, made horrible mistakes. But does that make the entire body of this group terrible? Or does that mean certain people are broken and have committed, have done terrible things in whatever? You know, I, I know the Catholic Church in particular has been demonized and, and made some terrible decisions and mistakes over the past few decades. But so have other organizations. Does that make the whole organization bad, the whole premise bad, or does that make individuals bad? Um, I think very often it's, you know, again, that idea of bad religion. It's out there. People have used religion to forward their own agendas. And the question is, okay, if you've had an experience with bad religion, how do you come back to find your own individual spirituality or or a a improved version of religion so that you can connect with the new so that you can connect with the spirit to be a whole human being?
0: And adding on to that, um, don't tell me what you don't want, right? He or she who has a why can endure anyhow. Frankl quoting Nietzsche. When you're going through life, don't tell me what you, what's not your why. Tell me what's your why. Don't tell me, you know, it's like when I ask Jews what they believe in. Oh, well, I don't believe in Jesus, what do you believe in? You know, a, a Catholic who says, well, I don't believe in the church. Okay, but what do you believe in? Tell me your why. It's like me asking you, what sports do you like? And you saying, well, I don't like football. Oh, okay. But I asked you what you'd like, not what you don't like. So fill in your why. And that's where, you know, I know both of us work with individuals a lot on this I'd say a 90% of my conversation with clients is what's your why? Well, I'm annoying. What's your why? What's your why? What's your why? Over and over because she who has a why can endure anyhow. So don't tell me what you don't want. Tell me what you do want. Most people don't know.
1: Yeah. That's a beautiful thing that I get to do. And I know I, I pull from my men's substance abuse group often, right? Because it's so, you know, bringing in Logotherapy and Frankel into a group like that, that has had uh, religion and and bad religion and forced spirituality and AA and the 12 steps uh, shoved down their throat for so long and haven't found it helpful, all of a sudden start learning about meaning and finding your why. And they come to this realization of, wait, I can be a man and, and, a, and a good husband and a good father and a, and a good laborer or worker uh, that doesn't have to define me, but there can be some meaning in that. And, and my substance use or the trouble that I've gotten in, in my lifetime, does not have to define me either. Watching, watching yeah, broken men find their why is truly a beautiful thing.
0: And I know you see this in couples counseling too, but part of the problem is they're so stuck in blaming and you know, what, what they don't want, what the other person is not, and he's not doing this and she doesn't do that and reorienting them to, okay, but what's your why as a couple? Right? Because you didn't stand at the wedding, you know, va- make your vows, telling, well, "I don't want this in you. I don't want you to do this." And I don't want. No, you talk aspirationally, and that's why I love logotherapy. It's aspirational, right? It's not. It's not what um, you know. He called what um, Dr. Frankel called depth psychology, which is how Jungian psychotherapy, going inwards, going down into the shadows, is has its place. But what Frankel said is it's height psychology. It's going up. And looking at and seeing your why, where you want to go and how you're going to get there.
1: Mm -hmm. It's also not past oriented, as he tells us. Um, And as this is going to get me in so much trouble, but I love doing it. Uh, As the great Sigmund Freud said, "Mm, tell me about your mother and your father. Anytime the upstairs hears that, I get yelled at. But I just love my terrible Freud impersonation. Um, you know, he felt that we were healed by diving back to the depths of our past, to our childhood, going back decades. And, and Frankl says, "No, no, we we go forward. We we look at the future. We set goals. We have aspirations. We take responsibility, and and we respond in, in a." In, in a meaning oriented way. And that, I think that comes out of the Gottman Institute's work. They say one of the one of the factors that helps couples move forward in the most healthy of directions is to have shared goals and dreams that they pursue into the future.
0: Right, come back to that. Um, and so come back to your point. So how do we connect that with what's the, the pain point, the void, the absence mm-hmm. in our world today The absences of a form, of a place that feels viable and that I can express and articulate and experience my why and develop my why and grapple with my why. And if it's not the church and it's not the synagogue, so be it. But don't tell us what you don't want. Tell us what you do want. Go find that vehicle to explore and live your why. Because one of my pet peeves is when people say I'm spiritual, not religious. Fine. That's not my pet peeve. My pet peeve is the next question. So what do you do? Right. What do you mean what do I do? Well, what do you do that's spiritual? Um, well, I'm just spiritual. That is to me the most meaningless statement in the history of statements because it's it takes all the responsibility off of a person. That's like me saying, I care about health, I just don't do anything that's healthy.
1: I think uh, about it, I, I like it, I think it's a good idea, but I'm still going to McDonald's after this podcast. I
0: love my wife. Well, what do you do to express that? Well, nothing. I you know, lay on the couch and don't remember her anniv- our anniversary. It doesn't, it's meaningless. What do you do that's loving? What do you do that's spiritual?
1: So let's talk about a few examples. What can our dear listeners do to tap into that spirituality, that nature, their own defiant power of their own human spirit, or just the nuos as it is? One of the things, ironically, I just had an article come by last night or this morning um, about the importance, the spiritual importance of connecting with nature. And and we're coming about that season in the year where it's an amazing opportunity to be outside, to be in the woods, to be in the mountains, on the plains, out there somewhere. And, you know, I, I I can't even define the science behind it, but I think we all know being outside in nature, whether it's working in the ground or or just going for a walk, is amazingly spiritual and empowering.
0: And I'm looking forward to meeting uh, you and Michelle in, in uh, the mountains of Colorado.
1: So. Oh, man, I can't wait. We are. Yes, we are definitely looking forward to that trip.
0: But, but yes, there's something connective, religious, right? That's why so much of the religious imagery and experience is on, you know, mountaintops. Um, there is something important that has not changed. I mean, isn't that interesting, right? Thousands and thousands of years, most of all of the uh, book of the Exodus takes place you know, around geography and leaving one geography and going to another. So yes, that's, that's a religious experience, mm-hmm. but it's like my kids. It's like, I, you know, like I got to drag them up there to, the, to get them away from their screens and to have that spiritual experience. You got to drag yourself away from all of the disconnecting things.
1: Yeah. You know, that's really an interesting point as I was, uh, you know, I, I texted one of my hiking buddies the other day. I said, man, we got to get out there. And he's like, I know, Why don't you hit me up tomorrow and we'll talk about it? Like, no, 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 no. We need to do this. We need to figure out. And we still haven't gotten a date set up. But yeah, to to get out there and do that. So, okay. One example of something. What's that? That's one.
0: Yeah, that's one. That's one.
1: To to get into nature, to be in nature. What else? How else do we connect with the spirit?
0: So, let me flip the script a little bit because I think our modern spirituality has been a bit co opted by, you know, it's confused with the self help movement. Self-help mm-hmm. to me has its place, but it's sort of like um, Maslow's idea of self-transcendent or self-actualization. Mm-hmm. I want to be the best version of me. And as Dr. Frankel said, well, in order to do that, you got to get beyond you. It's an I, you know, it's like a Zen Koan, right? And I think that spirituality has been co-opted by this me, 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 I, I, I. Um, I think of Abraham Joshua Heschel, a famous rabbi and mystic of the previous century, marched with Martin Luther King. Somebody challenged Dr. Heschel, or rabbi, he's also doctor, Dr. Heschel, and um, said to him, you know, shouldn't a religious man be praying, you know, and in, in the synagogue and studying the Talmud? And he says, I was praying when I was marching with King. I was praying with my feet, praying with your feet, right? Doing something for other is an act of spirituality.
1: Mm -hmm. We talk often about self-transcendence being probably the most, one of the most powerful ways you can discover meaning in your life. But, you know, because it is so self-transcendent, self-transcendent is self-transcendent because it's so spiritual. It connects us with others. It takes us out of ourselves in a time, in a world, in a society that continues to encourage us to treat yourself, to only focus on you and to find the pleasure And the hedonism, you just, oh, that's a word that just, when that creeps into my office, I really struggle. I I deserve it. Mm. Okay. That, I I think that one word is probably uh, what is most wrong with modern society and nihilism is that constant, well, I deserve it. So I'm going to overspend, overeat, overdo, take, 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 rather than, you know, there are other people out there that deserve, maybe deserve me, maybe deserve some of my time, attention. Um, interaction, love, connection.
0: Well, there's you know there's a fine line between selfish and self-centered, and self-centered to me has always been the side of the, the the where I want to get to. I want to be at the center, right? Mm-hmm. That's not selfish. When, teaching people how to say no to things that aren't theirs and to make time for themselves, you know, then that's not what you're saying. You're not saying that. Don't put yourself at the center. You're just saying once you're centered, and I see this with therapy too, there comes a point, and Frankel talks a lot about this, of unmasking and unmasking and unmasking. You get to a point where we're just like in therapy um, addiction here. We're just doing more therapy and more therapy as opposed to, okay, we got to the base of the issue. Now, digging further might not take us in the right direction. This is when we have to maybe get beyond ourselves, stop talking about ourselves, get out there and volunteer So yes, make time for yourself and get back to the center. But now what?
1: Yeah, I I think that I I chuckle at that because I know people that, you know, it's one self-help book after another. Like, hey, You are as close to perfect as you're going to get. How about you take some of that amazing knowledge and get out there and and do something in service to others? Go transcend yourself. And uh, rather than sitting there reading that, why don't you go do something with your kids or your community or your tribe and, and hang out? So, all right. So we've got two. We've got Transcend the self in service of others, go out there and do something for other people, get out into nature. What is one final way our lovely audience members can connect with the nuos, with their spirits?
0: I'm going to turn it back to you. What do you think we should end with? I oh, have man, so,
1: that was a cheap move, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> no, well, I'm, I'm looking behind you, B, and I think, well, they can defy they can they can pull on the resources of their defiant spirit and i think first of all when i think of the spirit one of the best ways to engage the spirit one of the easiest ways one of the most enjoyable ways that we often forget to talk about that you and i talk about casually all the time is humor Hmm. go watch something funny go watch something funny with somebody you care about with somebody you love Go take the time to, to see a comedy show or to find a series on TV that you enjoy. I will, I will publicly disclose much to my embarrassment. My wife and I are watching a show. Uh, I hope you don't click off. You, you got to keep recording through this and allow me to bear my soul and my shame. As we were finishing the last episode uh, of Ted Lasso, one of the greatest shows of all time. Um Apple TV <laughs> continued to feed us. I'm so sorry, I'm laughing at myself. Continued to feed us this show. That I said, you know what? That seems interesting. Let's let's give it a try. And she said, Oh hell no, absolutely not. This is not no, don't do it. Don't d-. okay. And we're watching it. And within five minutes, we're giggling and chuckling. Like I, I mean, we binged. We, I mean, probably several episodes. We should not have stayed up watching. The show, be that I have to disclose in my embarrassment, was called Schmigadoon.
0: Schmigadoon.
1: Schmigadoon. The first season was called Schmigadoon. It's a it's a Saturday Night Live cast or former cast produced by Lauren Michaels. So uh, a few of them in there, and it's a couple, which is an interesting story. A couple with their struggles. Go to a marriage retreat, and maybe someday you and I host one like this. Um, a marriage retreat, and they take a wrong turn in the woods, and they wind up in this fanciful land of schmigadoon, where a song and dance number break out every thirty to forty-five seconds to answer a question about really. It is so disgustingly cute and campy, but also very therapeutic and relationship-oriented. Uh, we burned through the first season of Schmigadoon in a few days and picked up the second season, which goes by a different title, B. The title of the second season is Schmicago, <laughs> Because <laughs> rather than finding themselves, uh, their relationship is repaired through their trials and tribulations in Schmigadoon. Now they have to find a way to, to make the relationship better and face the darkness uh, in a musical like shimatago um. so
0: um I, you know i was waiting for something you know like darker and more uh more sinister but mm. um i'm glad you i'm glad that's what uh you know what you brought because it reminds me of Frankel's statement that humor is a weapon of the soul
1: mm.
0: right and i just think about like yeah on the one hand it's trivial but on the other hand it's it's this survival tactic. I mean even in the holocaust they had humor, right? They told jokes, they made fun of them their 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 naked existence but there was also joking about the way each other looked. He talks about that in there. And if you can't poke fun then you're you know, you're you're enslaved to the suffering. And so one of the pathways out of the struggle and we don't think of it as a spiritual practice but laughter, mm-hmm. humor. That's why I think we've talked about before. There are so many Black people and Jewish people in early comedy in America, because they're they were victim classes. They were suffering, and you either laugh or you cry. And so you look at the origins of comedy in this country, and it's mostly African American and Jewish Americans. Mm-hmm. And I think there is that schmigadoon survival piece.
1: <laughs> well, and even today, most most famous comedians, most comedians who are any good will tell you of a, of a dark history that they had to use comedy and humor to pull themselves out of. And now they share that with the world. So yes, um, humor is deeply spiritual.
0: I was just listening to um, Joe Rogan interview Howie Mandel from a blast oh, from the wow. past. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of comedians and Howie Mandel was um, really, he str- He struggles from depression and, and mm-hmm. clinical OCD, not the kind of, you know, he's just uptight, but clinical OCD. And he said, Um, this is one of the ways he's really survived is through humor and making Mm -hmm. fun of his, you know, his issues. And that's what we call paradoxical intention another, another podcast for another time. But there's a therapeutic twist of events that happens in that it's liberating, it's illuminating. And that all that to me, that's what the spirit is. Anything that connects you to that illumination, that is spiritual.
1: Absolutely. So we have nature we have self-transcendence, we have humor. And one more, I'm going to add the bonus for today. Again, as I look behind you and see the defiant spirit, when you notice something wrong in the world, when you see something wrong in your, in yourself, your family, your community, your world, it is your responsibility to engage that defiant spirit and try to make it better. Mm. And I guess that in some ways is self-transcendent, but To find those resources in the spirit, you're engaging the spirit and you're trying to set things right.
0: Yeah, I'll just add on to that and then we'll wrap it up. But um, moving towards discomfort, you know, oftentimes we talk about spirituality as easy stuff. I hear with soulmates too. Soulmates are easy, right? And the moment there's conflict, though they must not be a soulmate. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, as you know, Adam had an ezer k'negdo, somebody who nurtured him and somebody who kicked him in the butt, right? Challenged him, pushed him. And that challenging piece, just because it's challenging doesn't mean it's not spiritual. Mm -hmm. And in fact, maybe that, those things that are really challenging us and challenging to us, our spiritual pathways, not just golfing. Although that's challenging to me, not to you.
1: Oh, it's trust me, it's very challenging to me. That's what keeps me coming back.
0: Right, but not running from the challenging stuff and seeing that as part of the call of what you need to develop in your new your spirit.
1: Absolutely. It's it's interesting. A lot lately, I've been hearing this idea of, of compatibility, individuals trying to figure out if they're compatible with, with another person. And then I often come back and say could, anybody can be compatible, but is it, are you committed? Are you committed to get through those difficult times and, and to, to be challenged, to allow yourself to be challenged so that you can grow in your connection and in your love for each other? Um, compatible is just a, a score on a Facebook assessment, but committed is what really helps a relationship grow and engages that defiant spirit.
0: We should do a whole podcast when we will, I'm sure, on, you know, really that aspect of a relationship, because I think a lot of relationships are sort of walked past as, oh, that's not a soulmate relationship. And I don't think you have one soulmate. I think you have all kinds of soulmates, travel through lifetime with other people, but soulmates aren't just the easy relationships, like the person who annoys you at Thanksgiving, you know, Uncle Eddie, we always call him Uncle Eddie, right? Maybe he's a part of your soulmate tribe, too. And he's in your life to challenge you and being not walking away from, but being committed to those challenging relationships.
1: Well, B, I got to tell you, it's evident that we uh, in the past few years have developed this soulmate uh, relationship. You are definitely my soulmate in logotherapy. Um, I, I have to share this behind the curtain for the audience. We literally came up with an idea for a podcast 37 seconds before hitting the record button and have some now, you know, somehow now put together, I don't know, a half hour or 45 minutes riffing together because we enjoy each other's company so much. And for those of you that enjoy that, I gotta tell you, this meaning academy thing, if you like when the two of us just riff on meaning and logotherapy and Dr. Frankel, can you imagine what might happen when we spend a couple months putting together a curriculum of ideas to share with you as we've been doing? I am sure it's going to be quite golden. I'm so excited to continue our work together on the meeting Academy and can't wait for people to be able to, to see what we can put together.
0: Amen, brother. That's a good place to end.
1: Outstanding. Always a pleasure. At one time we used to say, Hey, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, but I have a feeling. I'll see you next week as we continue our progress on the meeting Academy.
0: I'm sure I'll find you over the weekend as well, but uh, yeah, to absolutely. Our, to our whether it's boxer we'll be... or
1: text or email or whatever else, I'm sure we'll be in touch. <laughs> Always a pleasure, my friend. You take care. Take care, brother. Take care to our audience. Bye
0: bye. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center, a center for spirituality, meaning, and healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life live the defiant spirit power within your life. Visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your defiant spirit.